So it has some news on the development of the um, the Knitsonic Audible Textures resource, some of the things I'm exploring for that. Um, but in terms of the Knitsonic Stranded Colorwork sourcebook, I still have plenty of people to thank in terms of Kickstarter backers who made the book happen. So super turbo thanks to Rachel, Rachel Brown, Rachel Coopy, Rachel Lart, Raylan Hatter, Regina Saltzman, Renee Kossela, Renee Walkin, Rev Dan Cat, Rita Owen, Robert Fontaine, Rose Martin, Rowena Rouse, Ruth Suzuki, Sabine, Sasha the cutest Weshant sheep ever, Sadie Slater, Sally, Samantha L. Tilton, Samsky, Sarah Delano Moore, Sarah Fowles, Sarah Sward, Sarah Daniel, Sarah Hazel, Sarah Jane Humkey, Sarah Lawrenson, Sarah Lindsay, Sarah Mitchell, Shannon Stoney, Sharon A. Rayfield, Sharon Keller, Sharon Comerow, Sharon Miller, Shauna Forrester, Sheila Reynolds, Sherry Keller, Sigrun Hugo, Simone Broers, Sonata Idikien, Stavrula Kunadea, Stefan Otterson, Stephanie Summerer, Stella Adams Schofield, Steph Edwards Burrows, Steph Taylor, Stephanie Boardman, Steve B, Sue Blacker, Sue Wynn, Susan, Susan Allen, Susan Crawford, Susan Iceman Levitin, Susan Foulds, Susan Gray, Susan Hanlon, Susan Lawrence Smith, Susan Marks, Susan Quillen, Susan Smith Villada, Suzanne Fritch, Suzanne Hardy, Suzanne Stallard, Suzanne Wilsey, Susie Bounsgard, Sybil Killian, Sitsky Corver, Tanya Ford, Tere Tuzzolino, Terry, Thad Ford, The Bluemont Dunning Family, Tina M. Moser, Tom Van Dynian, Tori Seastad, Tracy O'Brien, Trisha Johansson, Valerie Amanik, Vicky Osborne, Victoria Bosher, Victoria Porritt, Vivi Vizuri, Vivian Fox, Wambura Fobbs, Wendy McMimie, William Jones, Yvonne Philippa, Zabet Groznia, and Zoe. Incredible. so much and thank you again to everyone already previously mentioned in the podcast um i really appreciate your support it's been an amazing year for me because of you and i hope that you feel very proud to have been part of the production of the knitsonic stranded color work source book because as it says in the opening cover it you made it happen incredible <laughs>
Now, you might have recognised Tom of Holland's name there in that last list, Tom van Danien. And, and Tom, as well as backing the Kickstarter, was also the technician for the book. And our keywords for working together were maximum elegance and turbo, which has since become my favourite word. I love the word turbo. It's such a brilliant word. Um, and, and if you've had an email from me or a Christmas card, you will probably have noticed the word turbo in there because I can't stop using it. I love turbo. It sort of sums up exactly how I feel about work and making things happen and general energy levels. And I loved working with my whole team of comrades. Um, but there's something, there's a kind of common theme because earlier, remember, I was sharing how serious and perfectionist Ferg is in his work, but, but also how silly he is and how funny he is and how much we laugh together. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that the same is, is also true for Tom, who's a super perfectionist and has very high standards um, in everything from darning socks to compiling abbreviation lists and instructional phrases. However... As well as being very, very precise, um, Tom is also very funny and very wonderful. And many moons ago, he sent me a fantastic letter, which I feel now should have its moment and, and be shared with the world. So this, this is called the Office Sound Machine, and it's a little envelope. I think Tom must have done the drawing for it, um, and it printed out this kind of instructional envelope. And inside it contains two of those clear plastic discs which are used as kind of separators or spacers in big cakes of blank CDs or CDRs. And the instructions on the envelope say, For maximum stereoscopic effect, hold one disc in each hand, position 15 centimetres from each other and flex quickly. Change pitch by changing the rate of flexing and he's titled this work uh, The Office Sound Machine, Found Sound Machines by Tom of Holland. So we follow the instructions. One disc in each hand, 15 centimetres from each other, and flex quickly. And we can change the pitch by going ooh, faster or slower. So there we go, beautiful sound brought to you by, by Tom of Holland. And I think that's wonderful. I think it's so playful. And I love the idea that in offices everywhere, there are these blank spaces kept with the CDRs. And if you, if you just want to improve your day, you can just go into a corner somewhere and make this sound. never look at a blank CDR again in the same way. So I love the uh, the office sound machine. Thank you so much Tom for sending me the office sound machine. It's I keep it near to my computer and whenever I need a little bit of 
I, I can have it. Obviously also Tom, thank you so much for the amazing job that you did tech editing the Knitsonic Stranded Colour Work source book. It's got Knitsonic on it. 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 Also I'd like to I'd like to thank again the the entire team. So we already heard a little bit from um we already heard a little bit about Mark. Thank you so much, Mark, for being my chief comrade and muse. Thank you, Nick Blackmore, for being such an amazing art and production manager. You really, you brought the book to life. It's, you, and you kind of, you're like a magical book doula. You you bring the whole thing to being, not just designing it and doing the layout, but also managing the whole um, relationship with the printers and just making it all happen in a in a really lovely seamless way and I know it is a lot of work working with you I always felt like it could be done and I think that's very empowering massive thanks to Ferg as well who as well as being the best singer I know it's just a, a mind-blowing photographer in all seriousness the, the photos are amazing everybody says to me how good the photos look and it was such a lovely thing to work with you on the photos and to see how you see the world and the way that you frame things and how you see in lines and angles and it was just brilliant. Um, so thank you so much, you gave a lot to the book. I want to thank Kate Davies for your work on editing the book. You did such an amazing job of just helping me to find the right words, helping me to find my voice, um, encouraging me. Um, and just kind of helping me to pare back to the essence of, of what I was trying to do. And your own writing is so amazing and, and your kind of belief in my writing really helped this project. Thank you Claire Weaver and Liz Ashdown for your amazing um, sample knitting, for making the amazing gauntlets in the book. And thank you Liz for your extra feedback on, on things as the book was progressing. Um, you have this amazing eye for detail and precision that really helped with putting everything together. I want to say thank you to Donna Dracunas who, who helped me with the writing and helped me to think about the whole book and really set a mood for um, laying things out in a really rich, creative, playful way. I think she does that really well in her teaching. Um, it's practical, but it's also she creates a very permissive and encouraging environment for beginning to dream and plan for your book. Um, and so thank you. Thanks, Donna, for, for welcoming me into that. That was an amazing way to start things. And thank you also massively to the book Midwives. You're the people who cheered for this project from the outset um, and helped me with it and, and made me feel really encouraged. So thank you, Tonya Clark, Brenda Dane, Cecilia Hewitt, Lise Luhamar, Anna Maltz, Yulika Roos, and the Sticks and String crew, my amazing knitting buddies here in Reading, Hannah Conibert, Judith Dakin, Emmylou Laird, Alison Martin, Mandy Scragg, Gabrielle Stanley, and um, all the alumni. Incredible. <laughs> We are extraordinarily low on knitting content so far in this podcast. Um, and I'm aware we've been here for quite a while, 
but I've basically been knitting swatches for 2014 and in the last few weeks there's just been a frenzy of baby knitting. It's all with quite thick wool on 5mm needles which means it's fast because Christmas is upon us and um, so I'm turboing onward with lots of baby things because there are very joyously lots of beautiful babies either in my life or about to be in my life. So that's really nice but because everything I'm knitting is presents and therefore super secret I, I can't really talk to you about it. Um, but in other knitting news there is going to be a super exciting swatch along happening in the Knits on It group on Ravelry and if you've not seen the post about this already lots of people in the Knits on It group have already started making these beautiful colourwork swatches celebrating trees, bowls, buildings really amazing stuff it's really exciting to see what people are making with the Knitsonic system and we thought that it might be fun to explore what happens when lots of knitters use the same inspiration source. The Knitsonic Stranded Colourwork Sourcebook is all about how everyone sees the world in a unique way so maybe it would be wonderful to see how different imaginations take on one creative challenge or one common idea or theme so so in the Knitsonic Ravelry group we had we were like let's set this up let's do a, a kind of collective swatch along with one shared theme that everybody interprets differently and the deadline is the end of February and the focus is pomegranates because they're beautiful and I think we can have a lot of fun interpreting them in different ways I was thinking about how everyone's imagination is different and so pomegranates might be good because they feature heavily in art so if you prefer to work from a painting you can uh, and they also feature in f photography there's like you can find loads of photos online and also you can just go and buy a pomegranate um, in most places in the world you'll be able to find a pomegranate and so for people who like me who prefer to work with the actual the thing um, that's also an option so I was, I was kind of thinking that that would that would be a good one to start with so if you want to join in uh, you can do that on Ravelry if you join the Knitsonic forum and search for Knitsonic pomegranates uh, and all you need to do is find some yarn and have a think about how you would translate the inspiration source of the pomegranate into stranded colour work the last piece of news I want to share with you is that I currently have sounds in Tate Modern Tate Modern's a giant art gallery on the River Thames for those of you who don't know and I was asked earlier this year to create a set of sounds to accompany a large fabric installation by Richard Tuttle. All I knew about his work from the outset was that it was made from silk and viscose and so I decided that my contribution to his piece would be to really explore the provenance of those two textiles in sounds. For this commission I ended up keeping um, a colony of silkworms which you can hear munching away in the background here. Um, the silkworms are a fairly massive story which I will save for the next edition of the Knitsonic podcast. Um, but while I was working on this project I also learned how viscose is made and I remixed some amazing archival recordings about about textile production about textiles in general 
but this is the sound of my silkworms um, and it's this this piece is created through layering lots of different recordings produced over a kind of seven week long period of time The whole set of sounds I produced exploring the provenance of silk and viscose uh, is available to download and if you go to Tate Modern you should be able to borrow headphones um, and a player from the education team to hear them. Alternatively you can just download them onto your smartphone or mp3 player and listen to them and I'll put links for how you do that into the show notes. I had loads of fun working on these sounds, but for me perhaps the most fun was in remixing an old promotional film about textiles. Uh, a few episodes back, you may remember that I ranted about a BFI release in which all the environmental sounds had been taken out of archival footage and replaced with um, music. Um, well, in, in my remix of the old video about textiles I did the opposite I replaced the missing mill sounds using sounds recorded at the natural fiber company um, which is where blacker yarns are made uh, in the UK in Cornwall um, and at times as well as inserting these kind of real mill sounds I also messed around with the schmaltzy 1950s background music um, and kind of looped it and fit it to the rhythms of textile mills. So I'm going to play that for you now. Listen to the heartbeat of a great industry. Textile making has been an accompanying sound effect to all of American history. For this nation's first manufactured product was cloth, our first and therefore our oldest industry. And after more than three centuries, textile manufacture today constitutes one of our largest industries. The wide variety of fabrics that pour out of textile mills plays a great part in your daily life. A far bigger role perhaps than you realize. In your home and in every home, rich or poor, from coast to coast, whether the bell of the senior palm is turned out by Scaparelli or by your own home sewing, you live with and buy textiles. An endless variety of woven materials. But when you think of textiles, you're most likely to think first of dress materials. 
even the latest fashions look for inspiration to this oldest industry that is ever new. The amazing industry which produces a soft, luxurious velvet with the same skillful ease with which it makes this heavy-duty canvas duck, a delicate satin, or belting material for industry, printed designs for dresses or designs woven right in, thick, soft blankets, or gossamer-thin curtain materials. Every pattern and every type for every conceivable use. And behind this versatile array of beauty and service stand a million and a quarter Americans, the heart of the textile industry. This is cotton arriving at the mill. At some other mill it might be wool, jute, silk, rayon, nylon, or today any of the several newer man-made fibers from the chemist's laboratory. However, the basic methods of textile manufacture are essentially the same for all fibers, and the processes and machinery called the cotton system are typical of the workings of all branches of the industry. The raw cotton, partially cleaned, is wound in thick blankets onto large rolls like king-size editions of the cotton in your medicine chest. These machines are called pickers. Their job is to remove waste still present in the cotton. It certainly doesn't look much like yarn here, does it? Nevertheless, it is yarn we're about to make, step by painstaking step. Next, carding. This machine passes the cotton between fine wire brushes, which clean away the last bits of foreign matter, eliminating the shorter fibers and shaping the remaining longer ones into a filmy web-like sheet. The machine then draws it into finger-thick ropes called slivers. In fact, I think some of the sounds that I used in there, most of them are from the Natural Fibre Company, but quite a few were recorded at the Whitchurch Silk Mill. And, um, yeah, they have a lot of power looms where they weave very fine silk textiles. And my whole idea with, with approaching that Tate Modern Commission is that, well, originally the fabric that Richard Tuttle used, he commissioned from a mill in India, which wasn't possible, there wasn't budget for me to go to India and meet the people who made the specific textiles that were used and to record the machinery and so on. And, you know, there, there just wasn't enough money in the budget to do that. So I, I began thinking about other ways that I could bridge that gap between finished cloth and our understanding of its backstory, its provenance, its, its origins in the bodies of silkworms, its origins in laboratories. It was a really rich commission to kind of get involved with, and I ended up writing quite a lot about each, about my discoveries of, of how viscose is produced, um, and some of the different research that's going on with silk and so on. And it's really nice. The education team at Tate Modern have printed out everything that I wrote so that if, if you take the sounds out, you get this nice perspective into what fabric is made of. And I think that's really important. I think about that um, all of the time 
and it was quite, I felt a little bit like I was cheating on wool because I had gone into this territory of, um, of, of viscose and silk. And viscose is, although it's made from trees, it's a synthetic fibre because of the amount of chemicals that are involved. It's a, it's a synthesised textile rather than a kind of naturally occurring one, whereas silk is a natural textile that's taken from the silkworm but I, I did feel a little bit like I was cheating on wool when I was working on this project and it was interesting to veer away from my favourite textile but I also think I wouldn't have developed this interest in the origins of silk and viscose if I hadn't been so excited for so long about the origins of wool in the landscape but you, but, but you all know I think that I really love wool a lot and two things that were very exciting about my book in terms of wool is first of all that it worked out that I very I first saw a copy of the Knit Sonic Stranded Colourwork source book in the Jameson and Smith shop in Shetland. It was so special to be in Jameson and Smith, um, the birthplace of my book, so to speak. Um, you know, it, all of the wool that's in Jameson and Smith is, is what I used in the book. And being involved with Shetland Wool Week in 2013 really produced a huge part of the impetus for making this book. So it was really beautiful to be there again in the spiritual home of Shetland Wool. And if you've never been to Shetland, um, in a minute I'm going to play you the bar of a Shetland sheep whose fleece is destined to be sorted and graded and essentially spun and to become hand knitting yarn. So I love that because it's the sound of, of the wool of the future, the Shetland wool of the future. Um, and then I also want to play you uh, some of Oliver Henry's talk. Um, Oliver Henry is the, the wool man for Jameson and Smith. He sorts and grades all of the fleeces uh, that come through the wool room. He's been working there for over 40 years. Um, and him talking about wool, I think, is one of the most treasured sounds of any wool lover who is travelling to Shetland for Wool Week. Have you look here and see this scar there? This is as can be. This is scarder, please right up to the neck but you can see the super fine here that that is super fine and that's very unusual to find that and I was where when she clipped this sheep and she was going to take the sheep off um, he was uh, going into uh, the abattoir mm -hmm. and now he's no because <laughs> this is a celebrity, this one. And this is my friend, now our boss, is called Martin Curtis. And this ram is running around the hills in Wes and he's called Martin. <laughs> and that, that's, so that's the two examples. Can you see that? Yeah. And so this super fine, and this here, it's just as cursed as can be. So this is a lamb at the Vaux Show in Shetland, uh, which is a which is an agricultural fair, and this is the sound of future Shetland wool 
This is the sound of, of the lamb probably calling for its mum in 2013. I love that because that is a sound which speaks to the origin of the wool used all the way through the Nitsonic Stranded Colourwork source book. That's a very close-up recording of an individual lamb calling for its mother, but maybe to give more of a sense of the texture of the place um, where Shetland wool comes from, I want to share this recording from the Burland Croft Trail in, in Trondra, run by Mary and Tommy Eisbister. And I love this recording because you can hear the sea, and you can hear the seaweed, and you can hear the sheep. And I know that um, when I went to make my recordings on their amazing croft, I they showed me all of the fleeces baled up ready for Jameson and Smith to collect. So it's quite lovely um, to be able to hear one of the one of the crofts where Shetland wool is grown. Now I said there was a second wool thing 
uh, that I wanted to share with you, which is that thanks to Linda de Ruita and Andrea Franklin of Tall Yarns and Tales, I now have my very own, very special custom-made tabard. It's the one I'm wearing in the back of the book. Uh, it's made of an amazing, characterful pink um, tweed, which was left me by my by my auntie Hilary, my my godmother, who is mentioned in the fruitcake chapter of the Knit Sonic Stranded Colourwork source book. And she left me this amazing bolt of cloth. And um, Andrea and Linda are just just geniuses. And they they turned it into this incredible garment. And, and Andrea had this lovely idea to take the selvage from the woven cloth and use it as a kind of finishing. And I love that because it speaks to the fact that this is a woven, big woven piece of woolen fabric that's been produced on a loom in a certain way with this kind of edging. And I love my tabard because it's made of wool. It's got massive pockets. It's the most comfortable thing to wear. I can put one ball of yarn in each pocket for when I'm knitting stranded color work. And it reminds me of my beautiful Auntie Hilary, who is one of the people to whom the Knit Sonic Stranded Colourwork sourcebook is dedicated. And so I wanted to share with you quite special recording, which is was made at Auntie Hilary's 90th birthday party when she was still alive. And it features, um, my, my dad has a little pocket trumpet, which he loves to produce at family events. Oh. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Hillary. Happy birthday to you. So, Hilary, has it been the birthday that you dreamed of? I didn't know what to expect. Did you know? <laughs> but I certainly didn't expect all this. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
<laughs> so this is my family celebrating my Auntie Hilary's 90th birthday party and if you have a copy of the Knits on Stranded Colourwork source book you can see my Auntie Hilary on page 66 and in fact she is wearing a kind of pinkish tweed outfit of her own creation so I feel very specially connected to her through this amazing garment made for me by Tall Yarns and Tails and um, I've got an interview with Linda and Andrea which I'm really excited to share with you in the next episode of the Knit Sonic podcast. I love the specificity of sounds. Um, I love being able to say this is the sound of one specific animal in one specific time and place related to one specific thing. But this is so often, we're so often not used to recorded sounds being used in this way. We're so used to them being um, used in a more kind of generic way where it's just like, oh, here's the sound of a sheep, here's the sound of a goat, here's the sound of a frog and so on um, and a few episodes back I revealed that one of my listeners Cecilia had noticed that in films often sounds often there's this kind of universal goat she'd noticed because she keeps goats and she's aware of the rich vocabulary of goats she'd noticed um, that there was just one goat the exact same goat appearing in many films as a kind of piece of stock audio and she dubbed this phenomenon uh, uni this, and she dubbed this phenomena Universal Goat and uh, the amazing comrades of Knit Sonic in the Goat Devoted Forum on Ravelry weighed in and there's a beautiful conversation there about the wonderful specific and individual voices of goats and how different people who keep goats really understand um, their different sounds and uh I discovered a very exciting related story about specificity and sound which relates to this sound. And this is really interesting because this is the classic ribbit, ribbit, ribbit sound which has led to the knitterly expression frogging a garment because you rip it, rip it rip it back um, and this is the sound of frogs that we notice from many films but in fact unless the film is set in Hollywood or nearby then this is, this is the completely wrong frog for the soundtrack because this is the Pacific tree frog. The Pacific tree frog lives near Hollywood and its prevalence in movie soundtracks comes down to the fact that if they needed a kind of evening ambience, a bit of atmosphere of people sitting around in the evening outside, they would just send the sound recorders off into the hills to record some frogs. And because this is the frog that lives in that region, we think that all frogs sound like this because in all movies where there are frogs, there is this sound. That is the sound of universal frog 
Um, and, and I wouldn't have discovered that story had it not been for Cecilia noticing Universal Goat. So I think that's quite an exciting fact to learn. So if you're listening to a film and there are frogs, um, then, you know, and they sound like that, going ribbit, 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 then you are actually listening to the Pacific tree frog, um, which is specific to the landscape of Hollywood in the USA. And there are many, many other types of frogs which make many, many other types of sounds. But I don't know how much that richness of frog sounds has so far been exploited by creative sound people in movie making. I feel we've strayed slightly here from the uh, the, the original topic of this podcast, the Nitsonic Stranded Colourwork source book. But hopefully you don't mind this diversions. And as a Christmas present to the Goat Devoted Forum and to the rest of you all, all the listeners, I would like to share the sounds of a very specific goat. Um, this is my friend Caroline's goat, Chibi. Um, and she's calling from her specific place in Nokvika in Ireland. <laughs> Caroline is one of my backers for the Kickstarter campaign and she was also involved in the blog tour, the Nitsonic blog tour that went with the Kickstarter campaign and she's also a wonderful friend. So massive shout out to Caroline and uh, like the wondrous sheep in Shetland that we just heard, which are very specific, the specific provenance living in a specific landscape, Chibi belongs to her locality. Her sound is particular to her family and her comrades. So in this recording, we're in the barn, in Caro's barn, where she keeps her sheep and her goats. And out of the mix of sounds, you should be able to hear one goat sound. And that is the sound of Chibi. the bells of St Giles, like the sound of my book being printed at Williams Press in Berkshire, there's something lovely about the particularities of places, experiences, animals, people. We all see the world in a unique way and we hear it uniquely too. <laughs> so there we go, that is the sound of a specific goat as opposed to universal goat. And I mentioned that Caroline was one of the people on the Knit Sonic blog tour 
And the Nitsonic blog tour, I think, was really important for helping to, first of all, consolidate my ideas about what was the Nitsonic Stranded Colourwork source book going to be about, and, and also helping to publicise the Kickstarter campaign. So I, I would like to really thank everyone who was involved in the blog tour, um, both the first one, which was when the Kickstarter campaign was on, and then the second blog tour, which, which happened after the book had come out. So thank you, massive thanks to Jenny Hewlett, Deborah Gray, Brenda Dane, Lara Clements, Spilly Jane, Hazel Tyndall, Tom of Holland, Deb Robeson, The Shop at the Old Fire Station, Mary Jane Mucklestone, Caroline Walsh, Joanne Spittler, Kate Lubia, Donna Dracunas, Ella Gordon, Lisa Busby, Ella Austin, Susan Crawford and Isolde Teague. Thank you so much for helping to publicise. Um, thank you so much for supporting um, the Nitsonic Stranded Colourwork sourcebook, both when it was just a dream when the Kickstarter campaign was running and when it came to fruition. Massive thanks to Jen Arnold Culliford and also A Playful Day podcast and Clara Parks for publicising the book through your channels too. I massively appreciate it and it was a huge honour for me to find the Knits on Extranded Colourwork sourcebook on Knitter's Review. So that concludes this super turbo, mega charged, massive thank you and celebration for um, everybody's supported and made possible the Knitsonic Stranded Colourwork Sourcebook. It's been so amazing. I hope that you've enjoyed the adventure so far. The adventure continues with the sounds. The podcast is back now. Um, I've got loads more things to tell you, but they'll have to wait for another episode. The quest to hear the Huntley and Palmer's biscuit record properly continues. The silkworms we have to talk about. We've, we've got tall yarns and tails coming up in the next episode. We've got the pomegranate swatch along to be getting on with. There will be more knitting content next time. And um, all that remains for me to say is that I hope that you've enjoyed this bumper episode of Knitsonic Thanks. Um, and this episode is specifically, joyously, proudly most gratefully, most heartfeltedly dedicated to all my Kickstarter backers. You have lifted the Knitsonic dream up and I really hope to do you proud. Thank you for backing my Kickstarter. Happy Christmas. I am yours in knitting and wool and sounds. Incredible.